For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. The Blacksticks' impressive undefeated run in the Women's World Cup came to an end this morning when they fell to Germany in a close affair. They'll now shift their attention towards the Commonwealth Games. Darren Smith joins us now straight off the back of their quarterfinal. Evening, Darren. Hey, guys. How are you? Uh, very well, mate. Very, very good. Thank you very much for joining us. Hey, uh, obviously, not, not the result you're after, mate, but when you're looking at, at the tournament as a whole and the kind of the growth that you're able to get out of the girls, mate, you must be relatively proud from what, what you're seeing from them. Yeah, and even today, you mm. know, like we were probably a bit slow out of the blocks in the first half and had a, a German side that dominated us a bit and, and uh, it came into the second half and we had our moments and were able to fight back and, and get a couple of quite good opportunities towards the end of the second half. So, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I was proud today, even mm. though we, we uh, got knocked out of the tournament. As a whole, the, the World Cup's been, I think, pretty successful. We, we came through a tough pull. Um, two teams that were in the semi-finals of the Tokyo Olympics a year ago, and then a, a, a dangerous team in China, and we were able to top that pool. And I think that's that's a, a really good effort for us. Hey Smithy, you must be happy with their defensive effort. You know the girls defending all the to- time and the way that they defended against all those corners. Yeah, I mean our, our penalty corner defense has just been outstanding, and so is our penalty corner mm. attack. You know, and it would have been good to nick one today because we had a. A couple of pretty dangerous opportunities, but you know the the work that's gone into the penalty corner defence and the application from the from the team has has been second second to none. I mean, we'll finish this tournament. We'll have the the best penalty corner defence in the world, and our and our um, penalty corner attack won't be far off it e- either. So, I'm I'm happy with both. Yeah, and Brooke Roberts was obviously running an absolute clinic in the goal-keeping department, mate. But uh, on the other side of it, you, you want to limit those penalty corners. I think last time we spoke to Megan Hull, there were 17 pe- penalty corners that you, yeah, you know, uh, that he's gifted opposition. Is that a part? Um, you know, is that a big work on for you, limiting those opportunities that you're going to give opposition? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, you, you, we can't sustain it. Mm. Like, you can't just have. 15 or 16 penalty corners a match um, and, and expect to always come on the right side of it. Uh, so, yeah, there's a bit of work to to, to do to um, try and uh, bring that number down a bit. But, I mean, in the end, if you're defending them well, what, is it, what does it matter, really? Yeah, so, sure. Um, and, and we did it again today. You know, we you know, Hope Ralph running one, uh, Olivia Shannon, mm. and then a goalkeeper in Brooke Roberts that, you know, probably started the World Cup as our number two, and 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 has had a really good, uh, successful World Cup, which has been bloody difficult to beat. And and uh, you got one of those people between the sticks that makes a difference. Mm. Hey, Smithy. So, just talking about those um, players that have really surprised you, obviously Brooke in the goal. Is there is there another one that's really stepped up in in these games? And going into the Com games, are you looking to strengthen your team at all by adding anyone to it? No, when we name the teams for World Cup and Commonwealth Games, we actually named the same 18. We've taken two extras uh, who only narrowly missed out. So the same 18 that played in the World Cup will go to the Commonwealth Games. Um, it's been interesting that you, you talk about some of the people that have done really well because it's, actually, it's spread uh, through the team. Mm. I, I do, you know, I think you comment around our 
defence and how we've defended the, the circle and how we've defended and set play has seen some people really stand up. And, and we've already mentioned um, Brock, who's been uh, fantastic for us in the goal. And But there's also been some deep defenders and Megan Hull and Fran Davies and, and uh, Stephanie Dickens that have played really well. But we've also scored some goals. You know, we we, uh, we put four past India. You know, India were in the semi-finals of the Tokyo Olympics a year ago, and our strikers and attacking midfielders put four in, which was great. And, and same for you know the English team that won bronze uh, in in Tokyo, and, and and we we put three past them. So there's been some some good performances from our our striker group as well. Hey Darren, you've you've been a part of the men's outfit, um, coaching wise. Now you're having a crack with the with the women's. What, have you had to change your style of coaching to be able to cater to going from the from the men's to women and to the women's? And what's the biggest difference for you? Oh, I mean, not especially. Mm. Like I came, I actually, you know, part of the reason I think I ended up um, here is that you know I had three years coaching the Irish women's team yep. prior to the Black Sticks men. Um, so I've gone from the the Irish woman and to the Black Sticks men and now now getting an opportunity just to work in with the Black Sticks woman and it's a really interesting you know where where you look at the different styles and, and um, the different ways to to um, uh, to coach uh, men and women but you know one, one thing I, I admire about the Black Sticks is and you guys would appreciate this um, having done it yourself is that there's always that fight and that determination and mm. and, and that, that will and um you know, our men and women's teams, they love uh, that we coach with a bit of a consultative approach. We always are talking to them, asking them to contribute. They love that. Uh, we, we always show respect and care. We've done that all, all, all the way, and, and that doesn't matter whether we're a Blacksticks men's coach or a Blacksticks women's coach. We, we're, we're not as directive as what we used to be. You know, back in the day, we probably did get get stuck into it a heck of a lot more uh, these days we're, we're um, working in with the players and and, uh, and working closer uh, to ask uh, what their feelings are and what they're thinking about the the game and and I reckon that's the way to coach anyway so beautiful yeah I mean my style has been too different from the black sticks men to the black sticks woman and mm. you know that the, the men's group was a, a pleasure for the five years I had them and and geez I've enjoyed uh, this group of, of uh, Young women that um, have have done so well at the World Cup. Yeah, it sounds it sounds that way too. Like when we when we were talking last week, the girls sounded like they were upbeat and enjoying mm-hmm. your your style of coaching. I just want to talk a little bit about the coaching, Smithy, because these people um, don't get a hell of a lot of accolades. We know who you are, um, we know who the team is. But what about your auxiliary staff, your your assistant coaches, your your performance team behind you. Is there any names that we should be pretty proud of putting, helping you put this team together and the work that they've been doing? Yeah, well, I mean, we've got a good group in there. I mean, we we, we had a, a change of coaching staff post uh, Tokyo. Um, you know, we we had uh, Colin Stewart and, and uh, Jude Menzies who who were in Tokyo. Well, Jude went to Japan to lead that program, and and uh, and Colin step back into his uh, um, performance network role where he gets to work with our top uh, youth and then Graham Shaw resigned and you know I can understand that as well after the years that we've had in COVID so he went back to, to Ireland. We picked up Shay McAleese so he's recently retired he, he's an outstanding coach 
so works really closely in with the defensive unit and our outlanding structures. He leads a lot of our team talks, so he does that extremely well, structures them beautifully, so mm-hmm. the girls get clear messaging from him and a recently retired athlete, but a, a, a coach that's going places and has a really bright future. Bryce Collins has worked in with him. He does the attacking corners and does uh, the pressing and attacking structures, and he, he's a very diligent and... and uh, a precise coach, and, and what he showed in the attacking corners uh, during the World Cup was, was just fantastic. And then Verity Sharland, and she's our, our uh, defence coach and, and our um, defensive corner coach. So you can see her quality shining through. And, and although Ver- Verity is new to international uh, coaching in the international environment, you wouldn't know it. Um, she, she's very... Uh, um, thoughtful and and, uh, and strategic and and, uh, and has a beautiful connection with the team. So they're the three uh, coaches, and then you know we have other people in, in, in our physiotherapists, doctors, and and management team that are all uh, right behind right behind the girls and, and trying to uh, push them forward. Beautiful backroom, mate. Awesome work. Um, Shay McAleese, he's is he still part of Lindisfarne College? Is he still? Uh, no, he's not. No, no, he's not. He was last year, but yeah. Uh, this year he's gone full time into hockey, so he's doing a wee bit with Hawks Bay hockey, and then with a big part with the Black Sticks. Uh, um, yeah, so not not with Linda's farm, but he loved it there. Such a cool school. Oh, it's, so. it's a beautiful school, mate. That's my old college. So I remember Shay uh, vividly. Mate, he's, he's a champion bloke. Um, quickly before we let you go, so I ask you your decision uh, on the co-captain's always been pretty uh, interested in, in why coaches go for the co-captain's uh, setup. But for you, Megan Hull and Olivia Mary, like, what was that situation? Why why you went down that line? Oh, I reckon they're they're different characters. Mm. And both were needed. So in um, Megan Hull, I'm going to say she is the most positive, uh, polite, yep. and uh, she had us in a, stitches a on our show. Personality, <laughs> and then she's uh, absolutely ruthless on the pitch. So she's a baby-faced assassin, really. And off the pitch, has just got a great connection with the girls. And, and on the pitch, she really gets stuck into the opposition, which is what we're after. And then, and then you know, we, in Liv uh, Mary, we've got one of the best players in the world and, and her standards and her drive are second to none in our group. Uh, it was her 250th test uh, tonight, and uh, she led the team. And, yeah, and, and, and these two women, we've got a couple of fantastic leaders and captains. So... We went for the two of them. Yeah, we've had some champions on the show before, but perhaps none as notorious and dominant as our next guest. She holds three world records, and last week she won her eighth Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest title. I wouldn't want to have a crack at that. On top of that, she's the number one ranked female competitive eater in the world. I have so many questions. Actually, so does Izzy, and I'm going to get right into it and welcome Mickey Sudo on the show. G'day, Mickey. How you going? Oh, thanks so much for having me. Oh, that's no no worries at all. Anyway, you know, you got forty hot dogs down. <laughs> we're we're sitting here. We've we've had a look on the internet. You're not the biggest girl in the world. How do you get forty hot dogs down? Take us through the process. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you want a hot dog eating 101 per se? Um, you know, so it's um, 40 is actually not my, my highest. I'm not, it's not my proudest year, but uh, it was enough to win, I suppose. Um, you know, it's just a, it's pretty simple, really. I, I grab two of the hot dogs, and while I'm biting them, there's very minimal chewing. So it's bite, bite, sever, and swallow. Um, and as you're doing that, you grab one of the buns, you submerge it into a warm 
sweet drink of your choosing. I like strawberry orange banana. Um, I kind of roll that into a, a little um, a little ball, I guess, pop that into my mouth and swallow that whole. Um, so that, again, you know, I don't have to chew the wet soggy bun because that's, uh, that's quite an acquired taste. Um, wow. I've just had one bap and I'm really, really full. I've just had a bap and a coffee and I'm, I'm chocker. So at any stage throughout the competition, do you you're feeling bloated and are you feeling like dis, are you feeling a bit of discomfort and how do you overcome that? Uh, yeah, but I guess you know we we prepare for this, so it's nothing uh, unexpected. Mm. There are some contests, especially the ones that run into twelve minutes, that you know they can be really trying. Um, but how times, I yeah, you don't want to hit the wall, um, as they say. Um, you know, in which case you're kind of just done. But I'm, I'm usually good to compete the full 10 minutes. Uh, but if I start to feel a little uncomfortable, just jump up and down a little bit, shake it off, you know, put that food down, let gravity work, of course, and, uh, you know, just, just work through the finish line. Okay, well, that's our finishing question. We'll get to that shortly. But how do you prepare for this? Are you, are you constantly just at home chowing down hot dogs? Or, like, is there an intermittent fasting that you're doing? Like, what, what is the whole process? I mean, if, if you're going to eat hot dogs by the dozen um, or you know, compete in other foods about you know a dozen times a year, you need the other 350 days to be pretty disciplined. So, you know, I, I can't eat like this all the time. I balance everything out with, uh, you know, lots of time in the gym. Uh, but, yeah, so there is a, not so much training, but there's, like, practice that goes into this because you, you need that, that hand-eye-mouth coordination you need all this to be you know solid you know fluid movements um you know almost you need that muscle memory where you could do it you know with your eyes closed which actually i kind of do i found out um but so what i would do is i grab a, another competitive eating friend line up 10 minutes worth of hot dogs and really just you know mimic contest conditions and practice that way um my my first hot dog practicing partner was michelle lesko who uh you know gets second place on the women's side uh, second to me every year. She won the year that I was pregnant and not competing. So we're actually great friends, she and I. Um, now I'm engaged to uh, a fellow competitive eater, Nick Weary. Uh, yeah. We have a son together. He also competes, so he's my practicing partner. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, just once in a while, cook up hot dogs, put them on our front lawn, and uh, really confuse the neighbors. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so interesting, Mickey. Hey, um, you say that in your Twitter bio, you're the number one female in Major League Eating. Is Major League Eating, like, is there a circuit you do? Are you on a contract? Do you want a retainer? Like, how does, how does it work? Is this yeah. a full-time job? I, I guess all of the above. Um, it's a... Uh... So I think it's it's a it's a very lucrative living for exactly one person, and that's the champion on the guy side, Joey Chestnut. For me, it's a pretty modest living, but I you know because, but thanks to this, I I can just stay at home, and uh, you know my son's a year a year old. I've been able to stay at home with him the whole time. Um, so yeah, for me, it's it's a modest living. Uh, most other people have uh, you know full time jobs. Uh, there is a contract. You know, it's not a it's not very very complicated it's just you know you know you compete with us you don't do dumb things uh you know be safe you know code of conduct stuff like that and uh yeah it's a uh, the professional circuit on the professional circuit we have about um i do about 12 to 15 events a year but they have uh, many many more Oh, man, that's crazy unless to say like when you're competing you, you get a lot of free things so you get a lot of free hot dogs 
I mean, you know, for those 10 minutes, it's all you can eat. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't give me a bill at the end of the contest, no. Oh, man, this has been crazy conversation. All right, look, I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> look, we understand what goes on before and during. How do you feel afterwards? And, and is, is it, you know, is it unpleasant? I mean, it's 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 not pleasant. I mean, I, I don't do this because I feel great afterwards. Mm. And, you know, actually, with that said, when you when you win a contest, you beat out the field, and you know, you get a little bit of money, and you made people smile, and it was entertaining. I mean, all that does feel good. So I'll take that back. You know, it, but physically, no, it is it is uncomfortable. Um, the sodium hits you. I usually like to retreat to a uh, you know a cool, quiet um, place where I can just relax. But um, you know, that's that's. After dozens of hot dogs, after we'd wrapped, you know, an hour or so of interviews. It was a good sleep. Um, and it's, it's incredibly hot in New York um, outside on the 4th of July. So we have a lot to contend with. But, uh, yeah, afterwards, I just I just want to relax. Hey, Mickey, how did you get into eating hot dogs? Like, when was the, the when did the penny drop and you thought, I can get through 40 hot dogs? <laughs> So I started by doing um, like, uh, restaurant challenges where, you know, restaurants will offer, you know, say uh, $1,500 for finishing a big bowl of noodles or, you know, $500 for finishing a big pizza. Uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, and if you can't, then you, you pay for the cost of the meal or something like that. It's almost like betting on yourself. Um, so I did a few of those and I found out I kind of had a, a large capacity for food. Um, and I never intended to do head-to-head competitions because just the thought of getting on stage and, and shoving food in my mouth and embarrassing myself and, and you know, I, I was sure that I would lose to all these bigger, you know, men. Um, it, the, the whole idea of that was just terrifying. But uh, eventually I gave in and I actually uh, beat out a field of, uh, I don't know, about 37 people in my first contest. And then after that, it just it just naturally progressed. You know, competing with the pros was kind of just, the next natural step in all of this. Wow. Well, Mickey Sudo, she is a champion hot dog, Nathan's hot dog eating contest <laughs> champion. We appreciate you coming on, Izzy and Ken, before breakfast here down under. Quick question for you, there you go. You been to New Zealand? Any thoughts of coming over? I would love to visit. I, I mean, you know, if we had a contest there, that'd be wonderful. I would just love to visit, you know, leisurely. But if we did have a contest there, what would we be Meat pies. pies. Meat pies. So have you ever had a meat pie oh, before? Oh, that would be fun. Like a... I don't think I've had a proper meat pie. I've had our version of, a, of, of your meat pie. But I think I, I can't say that I've had one until I've visited uh, properly. Yeah, no, like pastry, uh, hot kind of meat, like a mince, a mince and cheese mince or a and steak cheese. and cheese mm-hmm. pie. And I reckon we could set it up. So you come down. We have a couple of locals. It could be like an import versus the locals. What do you reckon, Mickey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Only if she turns left, Louie. Done. <laughs> Sorted. All right. Well, we'll, our people will be in touch with your people. Uh, absolute champion, Mickey Sudo there, who is Thank you. The, the Nathan's Hot Dog <laughs> Women's Champion of the World. Uh, lovely to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, dear. What a classic. But that's a fair chat. Like, the, the pie eating. Um, that obviously have to be lukewarm, you know, because like, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 you know, when you get a real hot pie and it spills on your your your, your knees and you're like, oh, yeah, it's pretty warm, but. Yeah, maybe we could do 40 hot dogs. Oh, and that's not even her best. What a champion. Literally a champion. That was one of the weirder chats we've had. <laughs> we had a good catch up with Mickey Sudo. She won 
the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on July 4th in New York City. Put on an absolute clinic. 40 hot dogs she downed. And you need to go have a listen to that on Izzy and Kempi for Breakfast podcast. And go to our Twitter page. If you don't know what Mickey Seto looks like, go have a little look. It's pretty deceiving. Really. She's a small wee thing. And uh, she's won it many times. Eight times, in fact. She, was, she didn't um, compete last year. She was pregnant. She had her, uh, a little baby boy. And uh, she came back and just really took the reins. So uh, great to chat to her. Great get Joey Chestnut in the kitchen. We should have probably picked up that she said that there's only one person that makes a good career out of it, Kempi, which is Joey Chestnut. And with everything that's going on at the moment, New Zealand cricket, pay parity, mm. um, tennis tours around the world, the WSL, Major League... I was going to bring it up. Major League eating. Get with the times, man. <laughs> yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah, she's not too far off. And what do you do? 57. 63. 63. 63, and he get paid. He's on a $600,000 contract. And, he, and then think about the USD. endorsements. I actually watched um, I watched him eat. He, yeah, this is a bit embarrassing. During lockdown, um, lockdown, COVID lockdown that I just had, got a little bit kind of bored on Saturday, so I got a bit of McDonald's delivered. I um, wanted to get the Big Mac McChicken, yeah. which, by the way, looks delicious. Uber Eats didn't bring the right order, though, did they? Just, just, <laughs> just, 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 just a regular Big Mac. <laughs> Still delicious. But um, as w- when I was kind of researching what McDonald's, it's like, how lame is this? It was like the biggest moment of my, you know, isolation. So I was like researching what McDonald's I wanted to get. The video of Joey Chestnut breaking the Big Mac world record came up. Guess how many Big Macs he ate? 20. Hot dogs, 30. 32. 32 Big Macs. He polished 32 Big Macs in like, 14 minutes. Like three bites, just like rotated it in his head. 30 Big Macs. Wow. So, um, that is an enough for me. That's <laughs> two. <laughs> That's right. But you're actually tasting it. He oh. just kind of, but yeah, he just, and he's just, oh, this is always something I wanted to do. Is it? Well, apparently. That's no, a $200,000 endorsement. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, that's what I thought. How much are you getting paid to do this? Yeah, 100%. Publicity stunt. 100%. I tell you what, though, Mickey Sudo, she should be getting paid more. There's some good texts here we'll get to as well. Somebody's told me up, said that he thought the Irish had a massive ascendancy at the breakdown last night, and it was the difference between the two halfbacks getting the ball out. That was Chris. You were at the game. So, look, I thought in the first half they did a quite good job cleaning, and I thought they were... Um, Look, it was a contest there, to be honest, Chris, but uh, you were there, so you would have seen it, and I guess that's what Ireland have done really well. They've controlled the contact area in this series. Anyway, we'll talk more rugby and get to these texts here on the uh, State of Origin and the Irish All Blacks July series as well before we're done, but it is the week of one of the most famous golfing events, sporting events, on the calendar. So let's talk a little bit of golf. S-E-N-Z. There aren't too many sporting events that have more prestige in history than the Open. 149 times the world's best golfers have contested the Claret Jug. Although the state of golf and shape of the tournament looks considerably different from when Tom Morris Sr. and his seven other competitors teed off for the first time in 1860. New Zealand's connection with the Open is rich in storage. So Bob Charles became our first major winner and the first lefty to win the one in 1963. This week, he's up there celebrating the event, and so is New Zealand's golf CEO, Dean Murphy. He's been kind enough to join us right now. Morning, Murph. Good morning. How you doing? Ah, very good, mate. We're very, very good. Up and about it, getting excited for tee-off, mate. What, what's the atmosphere like on the ground? Pretty special week, 150th Open. 
Mate, it's, um, I tell you what, um, I've been to a lot of these things before and nothing compares to the excitement and the hype that mm. is around this place this week. It is next level. Um, the sun is out, the Scottish sun is absolutely streaming and it is, fans are just feverish for this thing, mate. It's incredible what's going on here this week and we're set for a big one. Mate, what's the, what's the connection like with New Zealand golf and RNA? Like, I feel like there's a real... Um, great life, but a real friendship and a real good bond that, that New Zealand golf has with the RNA. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it's really strong. And you mentioned um, Bob in your intro and said, Bob, you know, winning the, the Claret Jug is, you know, probably started a really strong connection with the RNA and, and Golf New Zealand. And, uh, you know, they're, they're great friends of ours. They invest heavily into our game in New Zealand. And, they do that out of the proceeds they make this week and, you know, invest in us and other countries around the world. But they, they're real fondness for New Zealand mm. and they enjoy what we do. And, you know, they're a fantastic company, great people and fantastic hosts. And, you know, they, they're just such a, such a strong organisation. And this event is, is pretty epic. It's, you know, it's, it's one of the very best and biggest in golf and, and all the funds they generate this week they invest in organisations like ours around the world. So we've got a great relationship and love them dearly. Hey, morning, Dean. It's Kempy, mate. Just with the, the Sir Bob Charles, like he's still revered up there. Is the conversations when you guys are out there on the golf course all about the past winners and Bob Charles' name, does that come up often? comes up all the time. And, you know, people that are here watching the Open... You know, there's a lot of new fans to golf and a lot of people experience it for the first time, but there's also a hell of a lot of people that know a lot about golf and whenever you bump into someone or meet with someone and they find out where you're from, they're always talking about who's in the field this week and how's Foxy going to go and mm. how's BC going to go, but it doesn't take long before they rip into how's Bob going. And, you know, Bob's here this week and played in a Champions event and, you know, he's, he's had a bit of profile, got an honorary doctorate from St Andrews University today, so he's still very present and very much revered and, and much loved. Mate, you're on the ground, so you get a real understanding of of who's looking good, who's looking sharp. Mate, what's your what's your thoughts on, on who's looking good at the moment? We want our Foxy to go out there and and be our next major winner, no doubt, or even being Campbell for sure. But for you, who who's looking sharp and, and on the money is Tiger. Tell us about Tigers. Is he there or thereabouts? Mate, he looked. Um, I've only seen him play two shots as I was walking across the fairway, and. Um, they both look pretty good. He, he punched it up onto 18 green and looked pretty good. Um, I tell you what, mate, it's really, really hot. Um, it sounds funny to say that in Scotland in the same same <laughs> sentence, but it is hot and it's firm and it's going to play really, really fast. Um, they're going to hit it a mile because it's really hard and you know, plenty of firmness in the ground, but it is a touch windy and that's going to keep them guessing Thursday, Friday at least, and that should sort a lot of the people out. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about whether the old course will be overpowered and they'll hit it too mm. far and all these sorts of things, but it's playing really firm and it's going to be windy, which is great. Um, it's going to be a real test for them out there. And, mate, I've got to, you know, without being too one-eyed about it, you've got to love where Foxy's at. Oh, you know, he's yeah. running fourth and deep world tour this year. He's playing well. He's confident. Hits it a mile with short game and, you know, putts per green in regulation this year right at the top of the tree. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him walk tall and, and play pretty well this week. And he's got a good draw. I mean, he plays at about 11 on Thursday and then he's up almost first on Friday morning. So he should be able to get out there and scorch it round before it gets too windy. So 
Mate, I'm glass half full. Let's have a crack at Foxy on the on the nose this week. Yeah. So, so Murphy, you've had a, you've had a crack at it yourself. You've been walking around and taking the clubs around and had a crack of it yourself. You've got Foxy in there. Who who else do you think um, is a decent chance for the punters out there? Who do you think no, is right. an, is another player to keep an eye on? There's a lot of players in form, right, and a lot of players that play really well on links golf and. I think you'll find someone who's a really good ball striker who can keep the ball in position, get themselves under the wind and, you know, leave themselves in great spots on the green or play really well. Um, the English have got a strong contention here this week. Fitzpatrick and Tommy Fleetwood, they wouldn't be a bad shout. But, um, you know, there's so many players. Uh, Xander's playing really good. It wouldn't surprise me to see someone like him keep playing really well the way he played last week down, the, down at the Renaissance Club. So... But there's probably 40 guys you could mention there and with a really good shout, such as the strength of the field. But um, let's not get carried away, mate. Let's get all over Ryan Fox yeah. and Ben Campbell and bring them home. Oh, for sure. I'm 100%. $56 on the TAB uh, tote. So there you go. Foxy's paying good money. I'll have to have a little dabble on my good mate, mate. We're right behind him. Him and Ben Campbell, hopefully they can do us proud, mate. Um, but you're over there for business. And I know last year with the New Zealand Golf Open, there was a huge incentive uh, for the players to come and play at the Open. Is that back on the cards? Four Open slots for the top four, or was it top three, they get a automatic entry into the Open? Have you... What's business been like? Have you had those conversations been had? Yeah, we've got some of them lined up later in the week and we're certainly hoping we can be part of that conversation again. And, mate, it is a great week for business and people, mm. you know, always look sideways when I say that. But, you know, we're the boring guys in the suits sitting there trying to, um, <laughs> trying to do our work and it's such a great gathering of all the people who work in golf around the world. Every country's here, all the tours are here, all the players are here, you know, anyone who works in golf is here this week. So it's such a great chance to connect with old friends but also do a lot of business so good for us to be here and as you know they are a great partner so good to be here to leverage some of that investment but um, we're certainly hoping to keep connected to the Open and such a shame last year when mm. we had to pull the pin on the Open Judy Olga the red light and we couldn't do the you know be that Open qualifier so we'll be pushing that forward and hopefully in a, um, in a, in a year to come we'll be able to have that again. Hey Murph, just uh, just off the beaten track here have you heard about this new golf course that's going in, up in Muruwai? Um, that uh, is meant to be this prestigious course. No, no, it's, it's it's a bit closer to Auckland. But they they came out in the re- with the resource consent this week up here in Auckland. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, we've um, we've been keeping close to those guys as they've been developing their plans and getting all ready for um, you know get a resource consent. So, mate, I love the idea of it. Um, you know, golf's booming in New Zealand. Golf tourism is such a strong driver of the economy and. Um, it's wonderful to have people wanting to invest, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars to develop these kind of awesome facilities for New Zealand. So, yeah, it'd be great if that got up out at Mutawai there. That'd really add, read a lot to the, um, you know, to the golfing network around New Zealand and particularly around creating something really world class and dragging more people down here to, to uh, you know, visit New Zealand and enjoy all the golf we've got to offer. So, fingers crossed that resource content goes through. But yeah, we're right behind it. Mate, you must be pretty happy as a CEO. You got Kiwis flying the flag around the world, doing great things. New Zealand golf. I saw the other day, 133,000 memberships up a ton. And uh, golf is just in a pretty happy place, mate. You must be pretty proud and, and happy where it's at at the moment. I mean, things are things are great, and you know we were going well um, over the last ten years or so. But right now, we've never seen it like it. You know, memberships growing, rounds played are growing, more young people, more women in the game. 
Kiwis are playing real well around the world. New golf course is being built. It's um, it's a pretty good time to be in golf right now. So uh, fingers crossed we can just keep it humming. Yeah, keep it humming, mate. I'll tell you one thing. I, I, I Speaking to Jan uh, yesterday, I know she's back in, in the fold with New Zealand golf. Great to have her part of it. But I said, what are the chances of you getting me into the Pegasus Open, the Charles <laughs> Tour? Dean Murphy, CEO, we can make that happen, can we? I think it's a lock, mate. I think you've got a stand-in invite if, you're, uh, if your game can handle it, mate. If you can drag yourself around 18 holes, you'll be there. I can drag myself around 18 holes, mate. I'll play 36 back-to-back. Let's do it. Hey, Dean Murphy, we'll let you go, mate. We're going to rip into it. But thank you so much for joining our show. And uh, Foxy and Ben Campbell, give them our best wishes. Go well, the Kiwis. Thanks, bud. Good on you, mate. Cheers, lad. S-E-N-Z. Foxy, Ben Campbell, the Open, the 150th edition. So all those years ago, old Tom Morris, there was a young Tom Morris, they were both good golfers. There was seven of them playing golf 150 years ago. Do you ever spend much time thinking about what came before you on this planet, boys? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. I always think about the old days and how tough they had it and, and just how the world's changed dramatically. And how easy it is these days. Like, look at us. We were talking on the airways and people just tune in from their cars and at home. Back then, Kempi, I know you're quite travelling around the world would have been impossible. Yeah, Jump on a boat. You're quite a spiritual guy, Kempi, and you, you spend a lot of time thinking about this and, um, you know, who, who's come before you. Have you ever thought about how far you could hit a little gap wedge in 150 years ago and how hard it would be to play golf with little bits of wood? Yeah, no, never. Look, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about golf. Um, I was heavily involved in golf as a player. Got you know, got down to decent numbers on the golf course. But yeah, I think about other things, other things and historical that happened. And you know, I've, I've actually been. Have you put two cent pieces into a phone box? <laughs> no. See, no. I, I I came through that time. The only way I could talk to a friend, we never had a phone in our house. So people, when phones phones have been around for a long time, we we weren't wealthy enough to have a phone in our house. If I had to use a phone. I had to run three k's to the post office with six cents to phone a friend who was probably lived two k's away. So that's very much a different era. Yeah, so you know, things thing if you're talking about change in history, you know, even when you look at cars these days, mate, the car Ooh. car I'm driving. I drove a my Dezality first car. Z. My first car was a 1958 Holden. Mm. Like <laughs> no, no GPS, <laughs> no power steering. <laughs> And I used the, you know, the old washing machine with the ringer at the top? Yeah. yeah. I took the handle off that, cut a hole in the floor, in the middle of the floor, put the links in, put a sprint on it, put it through the links in there, and I could have turned it into a floor shift because the column shift snapped off. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> right, okay. So there's a rabbit hole of Kempe, what Kempe thinks about in, uh, in, well, olden days, I guess you could call it that. So the Treaty of Waitangi, right, signed in 1840? Mm. They've been playing golf at the Open since 1860. Mm. That is that how long this tournament is. And that's where I was going with this. This is this golf tournament, that's not prestigious. That's not historic. That's like one of the founding moments of sport, really. I mean, I know the Olympics, and they were doing the Olympics in you know, old Roman days, and that, that is the original sport. But the Open, as far as competitive sport, there was eight of them playing that mm. day, Izzy. The tournament has an incredible amount of prestige around it. One hundred percent, it does, and, and and I'm excited to watch this. We we're talking off air about the the makeup. We're back at St Andrews, the home of golf, the old course, the conditions. We spoke to Dean Murphy. They're warm, they're dry. There's a bit of wind, so your control, your iron play is going to be right on the money. 
So Bob Charles, the, the, the first lefty to get the job done. Yeah. He's still being revered around the world. Uh, mate, it's it's cool. I can't wait. And now we're going to get to the certain stage later in the week. We've got to pick a winner. And this is where Uncle becomes out of the... Comes Nostradamus. Nostradamus comes out of the woodworks <laughs> and picks Justin Thomas. <laughs> well, tomorrow we'll be all over it. Uh, the, the event tees you remember off. remember that Frenchman? You remember that Frenchman that lost it? Uh, oh, yeah. Duval, uh, no, yeah. Uh, who? Yes. He, he hit it down the 18th, remember? Went yeah, into the water. At the meltdown, the famous meltdown. At the meltdown, meltdown mate. He, he, like, he had it won on the last hole by so many shots, and he just kept hitting it into this. And I think there's like on the 18th, there's this little culvert type thing, and he kept hitting it in it and just had a meltdown. Yeah, there's Absolute. a water. Water goes across the a middle. Water goes across the, mm. right the middle of the whole A. Eh? And I, just, I remember watching it on TV going, <laughs> Some people choke, mate. It's about 260, I'd fly that. <laughs> Jean Van de Velde, 1999. So well, that was the last time I was watching golf. I like every day of the week. I was still playing, and I remember watching that on TV. There's two big mountains I've seen in golf. Um, Norman at the uh, at the yes. US one when he was going up. I think it was the 14th, and was he the just, Masters was it? The Masters, and he just cacked it yeah. and choked. That was good. His, he, there's a good bit of that in his documentary as well. And Valdivet and that guy Vandervelt, was it? Yep. Gene and Vandervelt. he goes down, he's had it one, and you're just going, yeah, some guys just can't handle mm. the pressure. Allegedly they've been playing golf at St Andrews Molinari. since 50, 50, 15, Oh, yeah, oh. Frankie. Yeah, that didn't go well. 1552, uh, Matt says they've been playing golf at St Andrews since 470 years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Billy the Kid was shot to death in 1860. Chris Carpenter. Okay, that's a good bit of uh, fun facts on <laughs> history. Thanks, guys. 23 minutes past 8 o'clock. A little bit of a trip down memory lane there. That's how old the opener is. 150 times. Tiger Woods is there. Jack Nicholas is there. Our very own Sir Bob Charles is there. And Ryan Fox, well, he could win it. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.